In the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to you about your assignment and, and giving you clues to your assignment. And today, I'm going to give you a couple more clues to your assignment. I think one of the things that, that really gets us in this and, 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 and challenges is the fact that, you know, if we're saved, are we called? And we started this weeks ago with 2 Timothy 1.9, whom he has saved and called, not according to your own works, but with a holy calling and grace in Christ Jesus before time began, before the ages began, before time began. So God didn't just put you here for purpose. God created you, made you, and put on, you on this planet on purpose. Now, there's a difference between on purpose and for purpose. Because if I'm here on purpose, then that means he had a, he's done a work in me. He's done a design in me, a preparation in me on purpose, intentionally. I could have been born in any other time, any other nation, any other season, but God chose this season to have me in this planet. You know, that's the same for you. He could have had you come into this planet in any other time, a thousand, two thousand years ago, but he decided this is the season. So we are here on purpose. What? On God's purpose for his purpose. And when we begin to understand that, that we're here for his purpose, now things begin to change. So many times we're seeking, trying to find his purpose, but we don't have faith to believe he designed us and equipped us. So if he's got a purpose for us, then we got the success to accomplish the tools, what we need inside us to accomplish that purpose. You see, that's why you know, you, the, the scripture says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Well, the Holy Spirit is in me, and he knows how God designed me and created me. And as I pray, and as I use my faith, and as I step out, what happens? All of a sudden, I begin to take step by step. Because the Bible says the step, uh, steps of a righteous person, a righteous man, or a righteous person are ordained by the Lord. And, and yes, our steps are ordained, but we have to make a decision to walk in those steps. And when you do, he's there to equip, he's there to strengthen, he's there to break you and push you through. So my job today, I'm going to give you a couple clues how to find and fulfill your assignment. How to find and fulfill your assignment. What is your assignment? Your assignment is your purpose. Your assignment is what you've been called to do. Now, a lot of times we want to wrap that all up in one thing. Okay, I got it. And I got the end all. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, uh, it works step by step. Every time you take a step, God begins to reveal more. Sometimes he might give you a vision, a dream, a prophetic word, an inkling, and, and you know some things way out there in the future. You know the destination, but you don't know how many times your, your uh, GPS is going to be altered because of construction and different things going on, and you have to go different routes. It may, you may get there quicker. You may take you longer, but you'll get there. Well, along the way, that's how you begin to find your destiny, and you begin to walk it out. And so what I want to encourage you in, man, you were made for this. You were born in the earth for this, but you got to find out what this is, right? Now, with me in my life, I was, you know, uh, uh, pretty crazy. In my, I wasn't that crazy in my younger days. So I got hurt in high school, broke my leg on a motorcycle, messed me up in sports, and that's when I started partying like crazy and got the wrong, and I don't want to say the wrong people. They got with me. God bless them. Ooh, I was the wrong person to be with. And, and so I don't blame it on nobody else, right? Just tell the truth, right? And, uh, and so, you know, 
I did get back to playing sports later on, but I was never the same person. And, and I let that get in my head, and I was kind of throwing my life away, total three cars before I was 21. I gave my life to Christ on when I was right a, a day or the next day after my 21st birthday. It wasn't the next week after my 21st birthday. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of cool stories in there how God brought me into my assignment, my calling. I got into business and was okay in business and done quite well when I was very young. And I thought that's what it was. I'd be a Christian business person. I gave my life to the Lord at 21 and God opened doors. I thought I'd be a Christian business person. That's all I wanted to be. I didn't want offerings. I didn't want nothing. I just, I just wanted to sow and give and believe. And then God started dealing with me to preach, which I didn't want to do. I fought him for eight months over it and finally gave in and, and, decided, and accepted that call. Didn't know what it meant. I just knew it was another step. And then I did that for a number of years before I went away back to college again for a full-time training and ministry and all that. So along the way, you know, there's a journey, there's steps, there's works that's got to be done. Work on you, work in you, work around you. Because I want you to get this, and I'll hit it a little later in the message, and that is you, your assignment involves a place. Each step, each phase a place, a people, and a purpose, which is your assignment. So in every place you are, God has people. Some of those people are there to offend you, to rub you wrong, to drive you crazy, to drive you to your knees, to drive you to humility, to drive you to learn how to cope and deal with people. And, and so there's a people, there's, and then some are there to encourage you and lift you up and strengthen you. But along the way, all those people are simply tools to shape and fashion you in the image and likeness of Christ. And so you can begin to understand your assignment and your role in each season of life, each phase of life. Because what I want you to realize is whether you're a child or a teenager, adult, a parent, a grandparent, a great-grandparent, whatever, God is never through with you. You need to understand that if you're sitting here today, God has an assignment for you. If you're breathing and walking and talking, or even not walking, but breathing and living, you have an assignment to fulfill on your life. And it involves a place, it involves people, and it involves an assignment or a purpose for that, that time and that season. And what I want you to understand is God moves in seasons. He downloads and downpours things to you in seasons and through instruction, through training. But it's up to you and I to prepare for it. Now, Jeremiah, I opened this up a couple weeks ago with you, with Jeremiah. Let's go back to that. Jeremiah chapter 1. I just want to read a four or five verses to you here about Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, man, if you're a prophet, it really stunk to get what, you know, he got a stinky job. I mean, poor Jeremiah. God bless him. He's called the weeping prophet. He was born in the time where Israel was in a bunch of pride and, and the kings and everybody was crazy. The, the whole nation was just backslidden, a mess, worshiping idols, just all kinds of crazy. You always had some righteous in there, but there's a lot of crazy stuff. And, and, and he had to be the one that God downloaded. His assignment was to cry out and tell the truth to the people of God so they could repent or not. And you see, that's what God's always doing. I mean, you know, whenever we miss an assignment, we miss an opportunity, and we're beating ourselves up, you're just wasting time. I mean, come on, I used to be one of the best self-punishers there were. I, I, be, I could punish with the best of them. And I know this much, if I self-punish myself and I get down, my words and actions can punish other people. Because that's what happens. When you're a self-punisher, you punish others, whether your actions, your attitudes, or whatever you're doing. 
So it's important to know your seasons. It's important to know your times. Here he is, a weeping prophet. And uh, he gets this downloaded to him when he's just a little boy. And, uh, and God says these words to him. And he's talking to God in Jeremiah 1. I'm going to start in verse 4. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified or set you apart and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Now, you would say, well, that's cool. You know, these prophets, they get these wild, crazy calls. These teachers, these evangelists, these pastors, they get all these cool calls. No, 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 no. Let me, let me help you here. It's not just about the part that he was called to be a prophet for the nations. That was just his assignment. You see, every one of us have assignments. And whatever that assignment is, whether you're a mechanic in a garage, then you're assigned to that place. Why well, I hate turning wrenches. Well, then you hate God's assignment on your life. No, I'm praying for him to get me out of this crazy garage. Well, he's probably not going to move you out of this garage till you repent, humble yourself, and start witnessing to the owners of the garage, start witnessing to the customers that come into the garage, start loving those other mechanics that you can't stand being around, and humble yourself and repent and love on everybody around you, not be some flaky, goofy, floating around Christian aggravating everybody. Being a real man, a real woman that does it through integrity and honor and the right timing and season and do it more through your actions than your words. Same way you're an accountant. Oh, I hate this. I'm, ready. I'm tired of counting this. I'm ready to have my own. I'm not. Listen, man, wherever you are, that's where God has you for this season. Now, that means certain people are around you. What are you going to do with your assignment? So wherever you are, God has a certain assignment for you. Wherever you are, God has certain people that's going to be in your life. There's been some people come to Bethel, and I'm like, Lord, you know, it's okay with me if they leave. Woo. Then I have to repent, and that's the ones that stay longest, right? It's like, if you've been here a while, don't get offended with me, but it could be you, but I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm just teasing. But isn't it funny how we, how we, we, get, we get to this place, and we want this dream, and we want this vision where it's a business, whatever it is, and, and, and then there's always those goofy people that are there. I mean, wouldn't it be cool to have an awesome business and you didn't have to deal with people? Wouldn't it be cool to have a ministry, but you didn't have to deal with people? Wouldn't it be cool to do things in life, but not? But see, God made it that way. So you might as well just buckle up, little buckaroo, and join in because He has great things for you to do. Look at your neighbor and say, He has great things for you to do. I'm having my own time. I haven't even read the opening verses. Okay. So in verse 6, it says, Then I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Jeremiah's a youth. But the Lord said uh, to me, do not, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all those whom I send you. In other words, don't speak over your assignment what you want speak or what you even believe, even if it looks real to you. Because your assignment doesn't come through what you see. Your assignment doesn't come through what you know. Your assignment doesn't come through what you do. Your assignment comes through whose you are and who you are. Your assignment comes from the Father, you being a child of God, and your assignment comes from Him, and He's equipped you for it. Your assignment comes from whose you are, His, and who you are, not what you are. The reason people maybe don't like working in their job, whether they're a mechanic or whether they're a Toyota or whether they're an attorney or a CPA or even in ministry, the, the, the reason is, is because we forget the why. The why. When you realize that 
God put you in a situation for this season in your life to minister, to love on hurting, broken, messed up people just like you and just like me. God puts you in situations and circumstances that you might be the only one that could ever win someone to the Lord. And what is it? You're there for his plan, his purpose, because he not only has a design for you, if that person working with you or going to college with you or going to high school with you is breathing, he has an assignment for them. Whether they're a child of God or not, it's there waiting on them. So it's very important that we understand, how do I see my assignment? Not through what you know, but who you know, and how's that? Through faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How does it come? It comes through seeing the unseen. That's why he said you got to do it step by step by step. Do it by faith, right? This is, um, he says, do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go to all those whom I, you go to all those whom I send you. You want to know where your ministry is? Wherever people are. And whatever I command you, you shall speak what the word says. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now the cool thing is, prophets in the Old Testament had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come on them, for God to come on them. But you and I, when we become a born-again believer, he's already living in you, not just around you. So I think we might have just a tad bit more responsibility, mightn't we? Hmm? So here's my goal for you today. My goal for you today over the next 10 minutes or so is to get in you and convince you that the world needs you. Oh, nobody needs me. I'm done. No, no. The world needs you. Bethel needs you. Nicholsville, Lexington, Georgetown, this whole surrounding world area needs you. Our state, our nation, and nations of the world needs you. But it doesn't help if you don't believe that. So my heart, my heart today is to give you a couple clues to help you uh, find and fulfill your assignment, whatever season or stage you might be in. Let me give you the first clue here real quick. Your assignment is connected to problem solving. Your assignment is connected to problem solving. You see, everything God created, he created it to, to solve a problem. Everything on this planet, in one sense, is a problem waiting to be solved. And what, what your assignment entails is problem solving. For instance, in your human body, God gave you your eyes to solve the problem of, of seeing, right? So you're not seeing. He gives you your ears to solve the problem of not being able to hear so you can hear. He gives you your feet, the problem of, you know, you need to get around, move, work, do whatever you need to do, but he gives you your feet what to walk. If you didn't have them, you couldn't walk. So here's what I want you to understand. Everything in the earth is a good problem or a bad problem, but it also determines what your position is. Because if you're successful at anything, it has to do, any successful person on this planet, they're successful because they solve problems. So whenever you're, you know, feeling like I'm not fitting in or I'm not this, then repent, look at yourself, get into Word, get some counseling, get whatever you got to get, but get it and get it quick so you can get back on track 
on your assignment. Actually, you're not even out of your assignment. It's just taking you an extra lap or extra class you're taking until you get it. You know that old saying, I don't want to take another lap. I'm learning that one. I'm just going to forgive that dude real quick, right? <laughs> so if you don't want to take another lap in a fence, forgive people. If you don't want to take another lap in these, some of these things that you've been dealing with, then just, just do it, right? Do what you need to do. So God created everything that was created, and all of it's here to solve a problem. When we think about successful people, where it be, let's take the professional people, the dentist, what here, he's got, he solves the problem with your teeth. A doctor solves the problem with your body. A, an attorney solves the problems that you have with law and dealing with that. You, you, you have pastors, I'm here to solve a problem, multiple problems to help you with your family, to help you with your walk, your destiny. We all are here to help solve problems. And the bigger the problem, get this, the bigger the problem, the bigger the reward. And every one of us, we are a walking, talking, breathing reward. You are a reward to somebody. I am a reward to somebody. I'm not a reward to everybody or everybody would be here today. But I'm a reward to those that are here today and, and, and I hope that I can bless you. And what happens is when I can find the somebodies that's to be with me, and I am their somebody they need in their life for the role I play, we can do some great things together. So the whole key is there's been, I tell our staff all the time, they'll say somebody be talking about strategy and this person could do this and that person could, I said, oh, oh stop, stop, stop. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the best qualified person and all that because we don't believe in entitlement and not going to get people entitlement just because they breathe, walk, and been here a while. No, 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 it's the best and ready and so on. But, but, but what I want you to realize is is that we don't pick winners and losers. You know, you got to be careful. Some people that I picked and thought, oh, they probably won't make it long. They've been here and done great things for Bethel. Others I thought were superstars, and they were out in a year or two. See, see, we don't pick winners and losers. God's the one that, that does that. He don't even pick winners and losers. Winners and losers pick winners and losers. Because if you'll pick God in his way, there's gifts and answers inside you for everything you need. And he will put people around you, mentors and so on, to help you if you will humble yourself and reach out, speak up, and walk straight. Amen? Wow, this is a totally different message than first service. Praise God. And I got eight pages of notes, but it's a totally different message. So you are a reward to somebody. So if you, you go into a situation, it's a problem you don't want to deal with, and I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. I, uh, you know, sometimes you even meet people, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah. Your wife or husband might say, oh, wasn't that nice family? You go, oh, yeah, but, honey, no, no, we're not. Because no, no. you already read one of them to think they reminded you of some problem person in your life. And you're like, I don't need that. Well, maybe God brought them there so you would finally learn how to solve that problem. You are someone's reward. So if you will look at yourself as a reward, then God can greatly reward you. Think about Moses. Moses, um, he was a reward to what? He was a reward to the Israelites to bring them out of Babylonian captivity. Joseph was a reward to Pharaoh to feed the world. So you are a reward to someone, and you got to determine who and what that is and what it's about. So as we talk a few moments here about the assignment and problems, because you realize you got to solve problems to walk into your assignment, you say, how do I know what problem I'm assigned to solve? How do I know what problem I'm assigned to solve? 
Well, here's a clue. Here's how you do it. What makes you angry? You know, there, there's certain things in this world or in life or in situations that just make you angry, make you upset, make you frustrated. And sometimes you can even get in sin over it because it makes you so angry. And, 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 but you know what? You have a decision to make. Does it make you angry enough to prepare yourself, to get yourself ready to be an answer to that need? Or are you going to leave it alone, repent, and go over here and get focused on the next thing? Because God doesn't assign you to everything that makes you angry, but pay attention to what makes you angry and who makes you angry. Because God, that might be part of your assignment. And it'll begin to reveal, it'll begin to grow you, and it'll begin to change others and grow the kingdom of God. So watch what makes you angry. Here, here's a statement you can remember. Anger is a birthplace for change. Anger is a birthplace for change. Change and transition can happen when you do things through righteous indignation, righteous anger, that it just boils you up. And, and you know, you see uh, people that are trafficking children, and you just get angry, and you're like, okay, I can sit here and just be mad about it, or I can do something about it. So it, it, what is it that makes you angry that makes God angry even and, and get in alignment with that and begin to take a step toward it? Moses got angry, didn't he, when, when the Egyptian was killed in front of him and, and it, it upset him and he ended up killing the Egyptian. And here Moses was living in the palace as a prince with the sister of Pharaoh was his stepmom and he had to flee for 40 years. He, he was 40 years old, but he had to flee for 40 years in the desert, working, raising someone else's sheep and doing all that. But through that pain and through that stuff, guess what happened step by step? God helped him to discover his assignment, which was to set his people free. But think about it. The very people Moses was called to set free turned on him and called him a murderer, even though he was defending them. Sometimes the people that you are assigned to turn on you. And you have to mature and grow, and how do you deal with that? that will determine what kind of rewards you get. Um, let's see. Let me give you another one here. Here's another good one. What's, another key to, to, which is part of the first clue to discovering your assignment is what do you love? What do you love? So when you take the passion of what makes you angry, that's one way God can get you on the track of solving part of your assignment. Another way is, what do I love? Man, I love children, but then you got an opportunity, maybe you're a teacher, or you you, you got a season to go uh, work in children's, or whatever it might be. Maybe, I, you know, I love uh, senior citizens, or I love young couples, or, you know, I love the homeless, I love people in Africa. Whatever it is, should love all people, but there's certain people that just breaks your heart. You just know that there's something God wants you to do for those people. God wants you to help with that circumstance. God wants you to help with that situation. And so what you love is another good sign of what your assignment is. Now, God moves in seasons, and assignments change, but they'll have a pearl in them all, a pearl in them that, that, that kind of is the ruling arc of your assignment, but God just uses your assignment different 
ways. I mean, like even before, before I uh, became a pastor, before I became a minister, I'd just gotten saved. I started coaching Little League Baseball when I was 21. I didn't have any kids. I loved it. Now, I'd take two, I took two or three summers up doing that because I loved it. Why? And, and because I didn't understand my assignment, I just knew I loved these young boys and I wanted to help them and that, and I enjoyed it and it helped. I loved coaching. And I realized that really in my heart, I'm a coach. It's what I really am. And pastoring is a way that I can coach people and coach their lives and do the best I can do uh, with whatever time God gives me in people's lives. And so there's kind of like this whole assignment of my life to coach and, and to, to stir people up, to challenge people, to encourage people, to correct people, to do those kind of things. So there's some kind of stream in your life, a root of your assignment, and it could branch, branch out in five-fold ministries, or it could branch out in, in, in business entrepreneurs, or both. It doesn't matter. Or just an amazing prayer warrior. I mean, I, I don't even want to think what I would do without Miss Gwen. Miss Gwen is the one I rely on to intercede, to pray, and, and, and also Tom over here. And there's some others in this church. And and uh, that are just amazing. I, I named them, but you know, there's a, several bunch in here. But but why? There's a role that assignment on her life that's attached to my life. And ever how long that season is, I love it. Right? What is it? It gives me strength to be who I am and to do what I'm doing. And that's the same way with you. There's people in your life assigned to you in your proximity that gives you strength. You got to watch what ears you listen to. You got to watch whose voice you listen to with your ears including your own, because you hear your opinion more than anyone else's anyway. So you better make sure it's the right opinion of yourself. Amen? Let me give you two, uh, the second clue, and we'll pray. Your assignment, here's, here's the second clue. Your assignment isn't a decision. It's a discovery. Your assignment is not a decision. It's a discovery. In other words, you don't decide on your assignment, you discover it. You don't decide on your assignment, you discover it. You've heard me say multiple times from the podium probably that the pulpit that, uh, you know, you can't create your destiny, which is your assignment. You know, you can only fulfill it. You can't produce or make your assignment your destiny. Uh, so, you know, you can only discover it. So that's the key God doesn't need you to decide on what your assignment is. He needs you to decide on discovering what your assignment is and then make a decision to fulfill it. And through these events, through these assignments, through these steps, that's how all this process and all these principles work. And in your life, no matter where you're at, what stage you're in, God wants to use you. God wants to work through you. It's like, uh, you know, a painter, a painter doesn't decide on starting painting. Uh, it's really they discover they have a gift of art, and before long they wander and they start painting something, and people notice their gift, and then they're painting. You could want to be a painter. I could want to be a painter. I can barely, you can barely read my handwriting. And so, you know, I wouldn't be a great painter. I know that, right? It's just not in me. I love it and appreciate other people. I appreciate music, and I, I heard some of you all around me before, and I know you're like me. You, it doesn't matter how, bad, how much you decide to be a singer, how much you want to be a singer. You can go take voice lessons. If it ain't in you, baby, it ain't in you. It's just not in you. It, it's just, so that, let me help you. You can appreciate it and worship, but your assignment is not to be a solo, soloist in a mega, mega church, right, or something. Just get that. Please get that. 
Please get that. Rory said amen back there. Uh, so, so in other words, there are certain things I may love, but it's not part of my overall assignment. It's something for me to appreciate, maybe help, maybe sow into, but it's not part of what God has directly assigned me and given me responsibility to do and to operate in. So when you discover your assignment, it's all good, right? No problems, no, no, oh, no, of course not, right? When you discover your assignment, here's a few things it does for you. Number one, when you discover your assignment, your enemies will be revealed. When you discover your assignment, be of good courage, your enemies will be revealed. I mean, think of Nehemiah. He leaves a cushy position in the kingdom over there, and he's got it made, and he steps down, and he comes all the way back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, and the very people he came to help tried to kill him and sabotage the wall to hurt him and their own people. But he knew his assignment, and he fulfilled it. God gave him faith and wisdom of how to do it and strength of how to do it. So whenever you have an assignment and you discover it, be of good cheer, your enemies will show up too. Think about Jesus. Jesus knew his assignment, right? When his assignment was revealed he had the Pharisees so you're always going to have people you go you want to be around people that celebrate you as much as possible but be of good courage sometimes people become your enemies you don't even understand it that's okay that just means they hate your assignment they don't even really know you See, you're not in a battle against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6. You're not in a battle against flesh and bloods. You're in a battle against wicked, you're in a battle against principalities and powers and wickedness and evilness in high places. But God has given you the breastplate of righteousness, a shield of faith. He shed your God, you put gospel of the word over your feet. So here's the thing. Your assignment will prevail if you will always stay in alignment with God and his direction for your life. It may not look like it. It may look like a setback. But we hear this all the time when we hear about overnight successes. Well, that person's an overnight success. They became a billionaire overnight. No, it could have taken them 20 years or 60 years to become an overnight success. So don't get caught up in other people's success and failures. Just be focused on the fact that you're under construction because that's who God uses, people under construction. That's not an excuse to keep the same room dilapidated. If it's time to fix the roof in a room, get your butt up there and fix the room, right? Or you're just going to get rained on and other things are going to rot and the rest of your house is going to fall. So there's no use sitting there and loving five rooms in your house and letting one room rot because before long the whole house will rot and fall down. And that's the way you are as a human being and that's the way I am. We're on this planet for his purpose, his plan, not ours. And if we will take care of the construction project us that we have, there is nothing he can accomplish through what he designed us to accomplish and the assignment he has for, my, for our lives. Does anybody believe that today? Discovering your assignment will take you to places you never even thought of going to. Discovering your assignment will take you to places you never even dreamt you would go to. I never dreamt that being a little boy from Inez that I'd end up in Columbus, Ohio and being the second person in command, uh, minister, the second pastor in command, right under Pastor Rod over a, a church that at that time had 12,000 weekly attendants. I, I never dreamed that, but that was God's plan. I started out as a custodian there when I was in college, and then God worked it out. See, you, you just never know. I never, I never dreamed until seven years prior that I'd even be in Lexington pastoring, but God worked it out. 
You're going to be showing up in places that weren't even on your radar, and God can change your whole life in 24 hours. He can change it all in a minute, really, but you could be doing this one day, and the next day, it's like winning the lottery. God can flip it, and all those things you thought were against you and didn't work were preparing you so you can handle what he has for you. So you're assigned to places, just like Jacob, right? The deceiver, who was the son of, uh, let's see, Abraham, uh, Abraham's son, and then his son was Jacob, right? So, so here Jacob deceived his brother Esau out of his inheritance. Esau was going to kill him. His mom and daddy got him out, said, go to another land to your uncle Laban and marry, marry someone over there. He's on his way, and he stops at a place called Luz, and he's sitting there wrestling and trying to think about what's he going to do. How's he? He's a God, how am I going to get back home? How will I make it over here? My uncle's crooked and crazy. How am I going to make it over there? And all this. And he goes to sleep. He pillows his head on a rock. When he goes to sleep, the heavens open up and angels are ascending and descending. They're descending and ascending, descending and ascending. And he's watching all this take place. And that's the first time we see where that, that, that God's presence was visibly seen as a portal opening. And he saw that. And he got up that next morning and he made a covenant with God that God would take care of him and keep him, but he would worship and he'd do this or that. And he marked that place and he called it Bethel. Bethel means house of God or God's residence, or God's place. And so, El Bethel. So, he, he made it Bethel. So, Bethel became his place of transition. You see, the place you're in is important because it's how you transition into the next assignment of your life. I see people held up a lot of times because they're in a place where they can't transition and grow in their assignment. So, then God has to open another door and move them to another place, Right? But there's also people in the right place, but they don't fulfill their assignment because they don't work on their construction project, which is them. And trust God through faith to let him be the one that promotes you and make room for you, not you. Quiet in the Holy Ghost house. So it's a two-way street, a two-edged sword. So we see that your assignment, whenever you're living in your assignment and walking your assignment out, that you go through it in seasons. Now, I have to read this, or I can't quit if I don't read. I know I'm going to go a couple minutes here, but the servant, uh, whenever Elijah, whenever Elijah had held up and had the drought for three years, and Ahab and Jezebel were all frustrated, the king, you know, and his wife, and they were all frustrated, and the nation, people were starving, all kinds of crazy things because they were worshiping idols and sacrificing children and all that. Finally, God sent a message to Elijah that he was going to bring water, but he had to call Ahab up to Mount Carmel. So he sent word, called Ahab to Mount Carmel. Ahab brought his, I don't know, over his hundred prophets, false prophets, and they built, Elijah said, build two altars, and whoever can call the fire down from their God, that's who the God of Israel is. That's who our God is. They said, okay. So those false prophets couldn't get nothing going. They're trying to conjure up demons. They're cutting themselves, slashing themselves, doing all this stuff. Nothing happened. So then it came Elijah's turn. The whole nation, all the, he said all the children of the city were there, the whole nation. And most of them are up there on that mountain. And he said, okay, get some barrels of water. Pour it on my sacrifice. Pour it on my sacrifice. And guess what? He poured it all on, and he commanded it to move, and God answered and flamed this big sacrifice up. And then that gave him the power to kill the enemy, the false prophets. But here's the part of the story I wanted to get you to right before we pray. The part of the story I wanted to get you to is that as soon as that happened, 
he said, hey, the rain is getting ready to come. And he turned backwards and he put his head between his legs. And the Bible says he sent his prophet out. Let's see, uh, I'm not going to read it, but I'll tell you. First Kings 18, he said he sent his prophet, to his young protege, he said, go toward the sea and look for rain. So he goes six times and comes back and doesn't see the rain. But said, Elijah said, go again. And he didn't even raise up. He said, go again. The seventh time, he's out there and he sees a little cloud the size of a man's hand coming in toward the land. And he goes back to the prophet. He says, it's just, it hadn't rained for three and a half years. So, yeah, there's a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. Elijah jumps up, yells, and says, tell King Ahab to get off this mountain. Everybody get off this mountain. We're getting ready to have a gully washer. We're getting ready to have a downpour. And the Bible says that sure enough, just in a matter of minutes, what happens? This cloud comes blowing in, and a huge rain takes place. And the reason I told you that was because big things come in little packages. What seems small, what seems insignificant, what seems little to you right now could be the biggest thing you ever experience and blow up into something amazing. Never underestimate where you're at. Never underestimate how little something looks. It could be a relationship. It can be a business. It can be a ministry, whatever it is. Never underestimate anything in your life, but trust God with everything in your life. And if you trust God and obey his voice, when it's time, he'll make the prophecy speak on your behalf. Does anybody believe that this morning? Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm going to pray. I mean, you think about Moses being a little baby sent down the river because Pharaoh was killing all the little babies. And guess what? Sent down the river, his sister picks Moses out of the water, a little baby. Takes him to live in a palace. Moses, he's a little insignificant slave boy. A slave kid. Pharaoh's like, ah, she can keep him. That's my sister. She's crazy. She can't bear kids. I'll just let her have him. Little did he know, little Moses was going to raise up to be a great deliverer of the people of Israel and bring everyone out of bondage and slavery. With God, little is much. Never underestimate your life. Never underestimate what you've been through because through is important. Never underestimate where you're going. Never underestimate. And whatever you think it is, it's 100 times bigger and better than what you're even imagining anyway. Just know and trust God. Know you're in the right place with the right people, focusing on the right purpose. And then you'll fulfill your assignment.